0: part one chapter two of war and peace by leo tolstoy translated by nathan haskell doyle this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne chapter two nikolai rostof on his return to moscow from the army was welcomed by the home circle as the best of sons as a hero and their darling nikolushka by his relatives as a fine attractive and distinguished young man by his acquaintances as a handsome lieutenant of hussars a graceful dancer and one of the best matches in town the rostovs were acquainted with all moscow this year the old count had plenty of money having mortgaged all his possessions and consequently nikolushka who kept his own fast trotter and wore the most stylish riding trousers of the latest cut such as never before been seen in moscow and likewise the most fashionable boots with very pointed toes and little silver spurs was unable to spend his time very agreeably now that he was home again he experienced the pleasant sensation of accommodating himself to the old conditions of life after an interregnum of considerable time it seemed to him that he had grown to be very much of a man his despair at not having been able to pass his examination in the catechism his borrowing of money from gavrillo for an isvostchek his clandestine kisses with Sonya all came back to him as remembrances of a childhood from which he was now immeasurably separated now he was a lieutenant of hussars in a silver-laced police with the cross of st george and he could enter his own racer together with well-known experienced and respected amateurs there was a lady of his acquaintance on the boulevard with whom he used to spend his evenings he took the lead of the mazurka at the arkharovs discussed war with field marshal Kaminsky, was a habitue of the english club and was on thou terms with a colonel of forty years to whom denisof had introduced him his passion for his sovereign had somewhat cooled since his return to moscow since he did not see him and had no opportunity of seeing him but he often talked about him and of his love for him giving people to understand that he did not tell all that there was something in his feeling toward the emperor that was not comprehensible to all men and with his whole soul he entered into the sentiment general at that period in moscow of devotion to the emperor Alexander pavlovitch was then called angel ploti an angel in the flesh or an angel on earth during rostov's short stay in moscow before he returned to the army instead of growing nearer to Sonya, he rather drifted away from her she was very pretty and sweet and was evidently deeply in love with him but he had reached that period of young manhood when there seemed to be so many things to do that no time is left for this and the young man is afraid of binding himself irrevocably, and learns to prize his freedom, since it is necessary to him for other things. When he thought of Sonya during these days of his visit at home, he would say to himself, Ugh! there are many, many more as good as she is, whom I have not had a chance to see as yet. I shall have time enough whenever I want to engage myself and fall in love, but now I will have none of it moreover it seemed to him that there was something rather derogatory to his manhood to spend his time in the society of the ladies if he went to balls and into the society of women he pretended that he did so against his will races the english club junketing with denisov and his visits there were quite a different affair such things were becoming to a gay young hussar about the beginning of march the old count ilya andreyevich rostov was occupied with the preparations for a dinner to be given at the English club in honour of Prince Bagration. The count in his dressing-gown was walking up and down his drawing-room, giving orders to the club steward and the famous fyoktist the old cook of the English club, in regard to asparagus, fresh cucumbers, strawberries, veal, and fish for the dinner to the prince. The count, ever since the founding of the club, had been a committee man and the leading spirit he had been appointed by the club to oversee the entertainment for prince bagration because no one knew so well as he did how to organize a banquet on a broad and hospitable scale and especially because no one else could or would spend his own money if it were necessary to make it a success the cook and steward of the club listened to the count's orders with happy faces because they knew that for their advantage there was no better person for them to have manage a dinner costing several thousand roubles now see here "'Put esparsé in the turtle soup. Esparcé, you know. "'Must there be three kinds of cold dishes?' asked the cook. "'The count pondered. "'Certainly not less than three. mayonnaise, one,' said he, beginning to count them on his fingers. "'Do you wish me to order some large stirlet?' interrupted the steward. "'What shall we do if there are no good ones?' "'Yes, Petushka. Certainly. I came near forgetting. "'See here. We must have another entree on the table.' oh dear me he put his hands to his head now who is going to get me flowers metenka ah metenka hurry off metenka he cried to his overseer who came in at his call hurry off to my estate muskovnanya and tell masimka the gardener to get up the decorations tell him to have all the greenhouses stripped and the flowers sent up well wrapped in felt let him have two hundred flower-pots here by friday having given a profusion of various other orders he was just going to the little countess's room to rest but remembering some important item he turned around called back the steward and cook and began to give still further orders just then in the doorway were heard the light steps of a man the jingling of spurs and the young count handsome ruddy-faced with dark moustache came into the room it was evident that the restful easy-going life in moscow agreed with him my dear boy how my head whirls said the old man smiling at his son with a sort of humiliated expression come now if you'd only help me we really must have some more singers i shall have my own orchestra but what should you think of getting the gypsies your brotherhood of military men like them it's a fact Papenka. i think that prince bagration when he was getting ready for the battle of did not make such hard work of it as you are doing now said the young man with a smile the old count pretended to be angry yes you talk just try it yourself and the count turned to the cook who with an intelligent and respectful face was looking on with friendly and flattering eyes at the father and son that's the way with the young men," hey feuchtist said he always making sport of us old fellows that's so your illustriousness all they want is to have good things to eat and drink but how it's got and served is no concern of theirs that's it that's it cried the count and gaily seizing his son's two hands cried now this is what i want since i have you take the sledge and a pair and hurry off to buzakoy's and tell him that the count that is ilya andreyevich sent to ask for some fresh strawberries and pineapples no one else has any at all if he himself is not there, then find the princesses and ask them, and from there, mind you, drive to Rezguliai. Ipatka, the coachman, will know the way. And there find Ilyushka, the Saigon, the one who danced and sang in the white kazakin at Count Orlov's. you remember, and bring him with you to me here. Shall I bring some of the Saigon girls with him, too? asked Nikolai, laughing. They are there! At this moment, with noiseless steps, and with her indefatigable and anxious, and at the same time sweet and Christian expression, which never deserted her, Anna Mikhailovna came into the room. In spite of the fact that Anna Mikhailovna every day discovered the Count in his dressing-gown, each time he was abashed and offered her apologies for his costume. "'No matter, Count, my dear,' said she, blandly closing her eyes. "'I myself am going to the Buzukhoi's.' Pierre has come, and now we can get anything from his greenhouses. I have been wanting to see him. He sent me a letter from Boris. Slava Bohu, glory to God, he is now on the staff. The count was delighted to have one part of his commission undertaken by Anna Mikhailovna, and bade her to make use of the coop. You tell Buzakoy to come. I will write him a note. How are he and his wife getting along? asked the count. Anna Mikhailovna rolled her eyes, and her face expressed deep affliction. Ach, oh, my dear, he's very unhappy, said she. If it is true what we have heard, it is terrible. And could we have dreamed of such a thing, when we rejoice so in his happiness? And such a lofty, heavenly soul this young Buzokoy is. Yes, I pity him from the bottom of my heart, and I mean to do all that within me lies to give him consolation. Tell us what is it? asked both the rostofs elder and younger anna mikhailovna drew a deep sigh dolokhov marya ivanovna's son said she in a mysterious whisper has so many say absolutely compromised her pierre introduced him to her took him to his own house in petersburg and then she came here and that madcap fellow followed her said anna Mikhailovna trying to express her sympathy for pierre but involuntarily by inflections of her voice and the half smile on her face showing more sympathy for the madcap fellow as she called dolokhof they say pierre is perfectly broken by his trial well then be sure to tell him to come to the club it will help to distract him it will be a stunning banquet on the next day the fifteenth of march at two o'clock in the afternoon two hundred and fifty members of the english club and fifty guests were waiting for their distinguished guest prince bagration the hero of the austrian campaign at first the news of the battle of austerlitz had been received at moscow with incredulity the russians had been so accustomed to victory that when they heard of the defeat some simply refused to believe it others sought explanations for such a strange circumstance in extraordinary causes in the month of December, when the news was fully confirmed, at the English club, which was a rendezvous for men of note or who had trustworthy sources of information, and everywhere else, nothing was said about the war and the recent defeat, just as though there had been common consent to hush the matter up. Men who were apt to give the cue to conversation, for instance, Count Rostopchin, Prince Yuri Vladimirovitch Dogoruki, Valuyev, Count Markov, Prince Wezemsky did not show themselves at the club at all but met at their own houses in their own intimate circles and the rest of the muscovites who never had any opinions of their own and in this number we must reckon also ilya andreyevich rostov remained for a short time without any definite opinion in regard to the war and without their natural leaders these muscovites had a dim idea that something was wrong and that it was hard to arrive at a proper judgment in regard to this bad news and therefore they preferred to keep silent but after some time, when the bigwigs who directed opinion at the club came back like jurors after a consultation in the jury-room, then all was made clear and definite. Reasons were found for this incredible, unheard-of, and impossible circumstance that the Russians were beaten. It now became perfectly clear, and one and the same thing was said in all the corners of Moscow. These were the reasons. The treachery of Austria, the wretched victualling of the troops, the treason of the Pole, Persebizuski, and the Frenchman Langeron, the incapacity of Kurtuzov, and, spoken with bated breath, the youth and inexperience of the sovereign, who had placed his confidence in inefficient and insignificant men. But the army, the Russian army, and all agreed in regard to this, was extraordinary, and had accomplished prodigies of valor. Soldiers, officers, generals, all were heroes. But the hero of heroes was Prince Bagration who had won imperishable glory by his victory at Schongraben and his retreat at Österlitz, where he alone had led off his division unbroken and had fought the live-long day against an enemy double his numbers. What added still more éclat to his repute as a hero was the fact that he had no kin in Moscow and was a foreigner. He was considered as the representative of the simple heroic Russian soldier, who had won his way without connections and intrigues, and was moreover associated with recollections of the italian campaign in the name of suvaroff and then again by showing him such distinguished honors it was felt that there could be no better way of showing kutuzov ill-will and disapprobation if there were no bagration we should have to manufacture one il fore levante, said the jester shinshin Shin, with a parody on voltaire's witticism scarcely any one spoke of kutuzov and those who did abused him under their breath, calling him the court weathercock and an old satyr. Prince Dolgorokov's witticism was repeated all over Moscow. Stick to the plaster, and you'll become a master. Thus he consoled himself for our defeat by the remembrance of former victories. Men likewise freely quoted Rostopchin's clever saying that, if you have to spur the French soldier to battle with high-sounding phrases, the Germans must have it logically proved to them that it is more dangerous to run away than it is to advance, while the Russian soldier, on the contrary, must be held back and urged to go gently. On all sides were heard new and ever-new tales of individual examples of heroism shown by our officers and soldiers at Austerlitz. This man saved a standard. That one killed five Frenchmen, the other alone loaded five cannons. They spoke of Berg, even those who did not know him, and told how, when he was wounded in his right arm he took his sword in his left hand and dashed forward nothing was heard of bolkonsky and only those who knew him intimately lamented his premature death and pitied his wife with her unborn child and his droll old father chapter two